Hello and welcome back to the Here I Called podcast. I'm your host, Jordan, and Zach is not here today and he's going to miss out because Zach served his mission in Brazil and he geeks about it all the time. And today we have Hayden's twin brother, Hunter Smith, who served in, I'm going to try not to butcher it, but I think it's Brazil El Salvador mission. Just Brazil Salvador mission. Yeah. El Salvador is a country. Yes. Yeah, so it's just so Salvador. There we Brazil, go. Brazil Salvador mission. Yep. I like to always introduce my guests that I know personally um, with a little story and I couldn't think of one, but Hunter said there's a song that <laughs> I'm, I'm in touch. I, I don't know. There's a, there's a song that reminds me of, of Jordan. Um, when we first got back home from the mission, I think we worked out together a couple of times and he got really pumped to, uh, I don't even know the name of the song, but the, the one that's like, like a great white shark on shark week. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, like can't hold us. Yeah. By Macklemore. Macklemore. Yeah, that's, that's funny. <laughs> that was, I came up for my mission and like, you don't listen to music on the radio. So right. you like introduce the new stuff. And that one was like, it pumped me up. So that was your I, pump up song for working out like five times in a row. Yeah. Pump, yeah. Working with, out. with the weights in your basement. I think it weights was in the was. basement. Yeah. <laughs> Good times. Um, I was just reflecting. I came home from my mission. I think it was on a Tuesday or Wednesday night and Hunter immediately came over to my house on a Friday night, which I think is funny because we weren't all that tight in high school or anything. We both were on the wrestling team, but even then we didn't hang out ever. No. And we didn't really, we had, we had seminary together, brother Clanton. Yep. And that's a, a funny side story in my life because that was the one year I didn't pay attention much the one year, probably a lot of years, but <laughs> it specifically was on the new Testament and he was from the South. And sure enough, I served my mission in Mississippi, the Bible Belt. Oh, that was before a mission. We had that together, huh? Yeah. Oh, okay. oh yes, 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 yes. Well, yeah, we had institute classes together. That's right. But yeah. Yeah. And I was, okay. Very nice. Yeah. So man, <laughs> we're just connected by missions. Yep. It's funny. Um, let's just jump right into this and we'll, we'll get to some other overlapping things with Hayden later on, but I kind of want to understand who was Hunter before the mission. Sure. So Hunter before the mission was the, the guy that would, you know, in high school would sit in class, wouldn't talk to anybody, typically got good grades, but didn't talk to anybody. was very shy. Um, just did his work, got it done, you know, didn't really make much noise. Um, and I think Jordan could probably attest for that. I was going to say that's pretty accurate. And I'm, I'm curious, is there a reason why you were shy or is, was Hayden uh, shy as well? No, Hayden definitely was the more outspoken one. Um, you know, he was always doing like crazy things, like doing his hair weird and stuff in high school. And I was the one that would just like, just let me be me. I'm going to be, I, I just <laughs> remember going to do my thing. You've got, I don't know how to say this, especially on this podcast, but you have a great resting face. <laughs> so when you're not smiling, you can be intimidated. And I remember wrestling. I was like, that dude's mean. Like, he beat me up. Well, uh, yeah. A couple cutting weight sessions will do that to you too. So, yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, so I was kind of the quiet guy. Um, but I just got my work done and, and yeah, frankly, before serving a mission, I was really nervous for it. Um, like I said before, I had a tough time talking to people and had a couple of jobs before the mission that kind of helped loosen me up after high school. But then, you know, I, I was really nervous for just getting out there and talking to people. Were you planning to serve a mission your whole 
primary your whole life or when, when did that become a reality that you were going to go serve a mission? Yeah. So uh, when I remember I was, you know, I can't remember the exact days around 12 or 13. Um, I was getting fed up with seeing people bear their testimonies in church and saying, I know this is true. And I know the book of Mormon is true. And I was like, this is a load of garbage. I am going to put this to the test. And if I don't get an answer, then I'm done. Like this is it. And I, you know, I went home. I was like, all right, I'm going to read the book of Mormon for a week. <laughs> you imagine God being Look so at that commitment. awesome. I'm going to read the book of Mormon you for a week. Seven days. Yeah. <laughs> uh, read it for a week. And then I decided to kneel and pray and I got my answer and it was very strong and obvious and I couldn't deny it. And I was like, all right, God, I'm serving a mission. And, you know, as the years went on, I, I knew, always knew I was going to serve a mission, but as it got closer, I got a little more nervous, a little more nervous until, you know, it finally came. Wow. So you're, you get your mission call. What was that like opening? Did you have any... Frankly, frankly, I thought I was going mission or stateside. Um, my two older brothers that served missions, my dad that served a mission, both of my grandpas that served missions were all stateside. You know, I thought it's just, you know, kind of our family, we go stateside Uh and I was totally prepared for that. So when I saw Brazil, you know, I read that Brazil Salvador mission. I was like, what? Like this (laughs) really? And it was just like complete shock. Yeah, it was crazy. I had no idea what to expect. Obviously I was on Wikipedia, you know, the second after everybody left. So, (laughs) yeah. So, so give us your mission stats. Like how, how big was your mission? So I, I mean, if we could just equate it to like States in the United States, it's probably like Texas and part of New Mexico combined. Like that's how big the state is. Massive. Yeah. Um, so my mission was the Northern part of the state. Um, if I, I actually served in one of the furthest areas in the mission and it took a 16 hour bus ride to get there from the mission from headquarters, right? Not even end to end. That was just from essentially end to end because oh, okay. the headquarters was all the way on the East coast. But and, yeah. And on looking at Brazil on a map, were you, weren't you closer, like more Southern Southeast or like towards so the ocean? It's, it's actually, um, Northeastern Brazil, technically, uh, they call it the Nordeste or Northeast. Um, and it sits above, so it goes Sao Paulo, then Rio, and then Espirito Santo, and then Salvador. So if you kind of follow that line up, Salvador is right on the East Coast. Nice. So, um, but yeah, you know, um, hot weather, that's kind of what we experienced there. Um, really close to the coast, you know, you have that typical, what you'd think of Brazil tropical climate but surprisingly as you go into some of the cities um it's really dry desert like like i was familiar with growing up in arizona so Mm. um that was kind of nice because i did get a little bit of a winter one year it got down to about 60 degrees it was awesome wow (laughs) 60s nice yeah (laughs) wake up and you see our breath in the morning but that only lasted for about three months um and so i imagine and I'm, i'm maybe i'm naive but i imagine everyone speaks portuguese Yes. Everyone speaks Portuguese. Um, very, very little Spanish, surprisingly. I thought since Brazil sits down there in South America, they speak more Spanish, but it's a lot of Portuguese and a lot of English. Um, Hmm. the Brazilians love the United States. They love the culture of the United States. And so everyone's trying to learn English, um, tons of English, English classes everywhere. 
And, you know, one of the funniest things, <laughs> you're walking in the street, the, uh, the kids in the street would be like, Oh, what's my name in English? And we're like, okay, what's your name? He's like, Joel. We're like, okay, well, Joel, it doesn't change in English. Your name is what <laughs> it is right now. <laughs> but, uh, it's just really funny. Everyone was fascinated with English. Nice. Um, so you get down there in Brazil. What was new to you about the culture of Brazil? Um, hmm. knew about the culture. Um, like everyone's really friendly and, um, it's hard for people to go throughout a conversation without touching you. They want to touch you and they don't just talk, you know, they'll touch you. They'll, they'll touch you. They'll, that, you know, they'll tap you on the arm or they'll like point to you, tap you on the shoulder. There's a lot of like tapping involved, which I hadn't experienced before. And me being my shy self, I was kind of like, what are you, what are you doing? What, what are you touching me yeah. for? Like stay over there. I want to stay over here. But I got used to it pretty quick, but, um, yeah, a lot of more touching than I would, would was comfortable with at first. That's interesting. And especially coming from a sport like wrestling, like to be touched <laughs> is not good. <laughs> High contact, I guess. I don't know. It was just unexpected, I guess. Um, but yeah, the, the culture other than that was very, um, very accepting. Everyone loved to talk and loved to talk with whoever, you know, they just wanted to talk your ear off, but it was a good time. Nice. What, what, uh, what areas did you serve in? Um, so I served in the capital, uh, the state's called Bahia and, um, the mission's named after the capital of that state, which is Salvador. I served in that city, um, for six months. I also served in some interior cities, one that's just in, just to the interior called Jizdavila. Another one, um, man, it escapes my memory. Um, uh, several to the North on the border of Bahia and Pernambuco, which is another state. Um, that one is Luis Eduardo or Luis Eduardo's on the east or the west side. Um, but the ones to the north are Petrolina and Juazeiro. So it's kind of all over the place yeah. uh, throughout the whole state. I didn't really stay centralized anywhere. Some some of the missionaries in my mission only served in the several zones in Salvador, but I was kind of everywhere, which is cool. I got to see a lot of the state. And was it, I mean, I don't even know how to project like picture Brazil. I just think of the favelas. Mm -hmm. Did you have those or were, what was it like up there? Yes. So when people think of Brazil, they typically think of like a favela in Rio. Uh -huh. Um, and Salvador is actually second to Rio has the largest amount of favelas. Um, it's actually Salvador. So I guess from some fun history, it was the first, uh, capital of Brazil. Um, one of the first cities of Brazil, uh, back in, the 1500s is when they started and it was actually a, um, slave port where they'd bring in slaves. So there's a lot of African influence in Salvador. So I was expecting to see like, I don't know, more Hispanic looking people, but people that actually look very African in Salvador, which was very surprising to me. Um, but in, you can see the influence in a little bit of their food. Um, some of their religious, you know, religion has come from Africa. Um, yeah, just a lot of, uh, a lot of crazy things that I didn't expect. And, and religion wise, what would you say what, were the majority, when I think of South America, I think like majority of people are Catholic, maybe just by name, but their, their family's Catholic. Is it the same for Brazil and where you served or? Um, yeah, lot, lots of Catholics, but, um, 
I think the trend was people to start becoming, would you call it evangelist? Does that make sense in English? Um, gospel. It's just kind of like a gospel church. Um, did they have like a set doctrine or were they kind of not really a set doctrine? It, no, at least in the, where I serve, there's like non-denominational where they wouldn't follow a certain, um, you know, church belief system, but they just wanted to fill the spirit and yes, you know, more non-denominational, the type of church that, you know, kind of like a, a feel good church. Yeah. Um, you know, they're going to give you a good message and get you on your feet, that type of thing. Lots of churches like that. Um, yeah, crazy. The number of churches like that, you know, you could have a, you know, you walk down a street, you'd see one every other house. Cause they just, wow. you know, break out the garage and put a church in there, you know? <laughs> so it's so pretty, pretty crazy. Pretty religious people then. Definitely very religious. And, and Christian. Christian. Yep. Mostly Christian. Nice. Uh, some atheists, very few and far between, but mostly Christian. Nice. What well, you mentioned food and the, that there's some African food. What, what, what were some of your favorite foods that you ate? Um, so we always, every day you're going to eat rice and beans and then typically like some type of meat on the side, like grilled chicken or maybe some like beef or like stew beef or something. Um, what I really liked was called, um, so the beans are called feijão and then the like stew mixture that they make is called feijoada and they put, I mean, it, the history of feijoada is that it used to be served to the slaves and they would just take anything that they didn't want from the pig or, you know, the cow or whatever. And they throw it in there, make a stew and feed it to the slaves. And now it's ended up being just something that they cook. It typically has like some sausage, some beef, um, <clears throat> beans, all sorts of, um, spices. And, and it's really good. And you eat it with, um, it's usually typically back beans and you just eat it with your rice and they usually give you a little cup of orange juice to help you di digest it. And, and, uh, yeah, that's what I really enjoyed. Kind of just the everyday thing. Never got sick of it, surprisingly. Nice. And what was, what's, what's a food that you avoided? Um, food that I avoided. Uh, I, I ate chicken, ate a chicken foot once. This sounds weird. Um, uh, I, I didn't necessarily avoid it. We didn't have it that often. One time I saw it and I was like, I got to try this once. And it just didn't taste like anything. It was like eating skin. <laughs> so I was like, I'm not going to do that again. Yeah. <laughs> but Typically the, the members were very kind. They're like, we know you're not going to like this cause you're an American. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, all right. So I already had a break, but I want to try it anyways. Were there any foods that didn't sit well with you? Um, there was one time. So Brazil is also famous, you know, as you do your research for de queijo. And if you go to any, so it's like cheese bread, go to any, um, what do they call those? Uh, Rodizio restaurant. Uh -huh where they the serve Brazilian meats, barbecue Brazilian buffet. barbecues. Yes. Yeah. Um, they, they have these little cheese breads. And I remember one time I ate these cheese bread out of like a hole in the wall baker, which is pretty common. And I did it all the time. I ate these cheese bread once and I threw up for like the next two days. Ooh. And so that made me sick. And now everybody loves cheese bread because they go to these places and get the cheese bread. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. I don't want any cheese bread <laughs> bad anymore. Memories. Yeah, bad memories. I can't even eat it anymore. But other than that, nothing really that really upset my stomach. It sat pretty well. Wow. Surprisingly. That's strong. <laughs> yeah. You, you, I don't know. You're fortunate. <laughs> All those years wrestling and contorting your body and paid off. Starving myself, baby. My body's like, I got to keep it in. I don't know. But, um, yeah. Nice. Um, what, there was a follow-up question. Oh, so you mentioned the Brazilian 
barbecue buffet. There's Rodizio's. What else? I, I guess like if you were to look for that in the States, what, what place would you go to? Um, is Rodizio's just in Mesa or is it a, a chain? It's a chain. They have some in Utah. There's also a larger chain that's worldwide called Fogo. Um, let me see what it's called. Fogo de Chão. Yeah. Um, which means fire from the floor. Um, and a Fogo de Chão. I don't remember what the name is, frankly. Fogo de Chão. Fogo de Chão. The I think it's shown. You say it with but a, fire from the floor is what I understand. <laughs> and it's actually a cooking from sa- the southern part of Brazil, but it's that same Brazilian um, barbecue. And you'll find that in pretty much any big city in the United States, more widespread, that's just more expensive. It's like really fine dining. Um, but they have really authentic feijoada, feijão, um, the beef, the meat's really good. So if you're looking to get good Brazilian authentic food, I would su- probably suggest that restaurant before any other. Nice. Let's see. You're going through these. Did you have, (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking of Zach's mission and your mission and like just South America. Did you have any special encounters with animals? Special encounters with animals? Uh, not, I mean, there were monkeys, um, very small monkeys, probably like the size of a guinea pig, like that size, pretty small. Um, and they're kind of everywhere, all of the power lines and stuff. Um, I remember this one member had like a two story house and the monkeys would like come over to the house on the power lines and they just like feed them bananas and stuff, which was really cool. And one of the other members had like a pet monkey and it would like run around Ooh. the house and it was crazy. It'd like jump on the fake plants and like fall over the place. It was madness. Pee everywhere was disgusting, but, <laughs> but it but yeah, so lots of monkeys, um, lots of dogs everywhere. Um, I remember one time when I was showering, I had a, I didn't know it, you know, uh, I had a massive, um, cockroach on my back nice. and I'm showering. It's like an open shower. So, you know, the door's open. I don't, I don't know what's going on, but showering. And then all of a sudden I see this thing fly off my back and start fluttering away. And I'm like, I just like freak out. Cause I hate, I hate cockroaches, hate them so bad. And, um, I'd rather have a scorpion on my back than a cockroach. That's how bad I hate them. Wow. And I just like freaked and it was, when I think cockroach, I just think like sewer and just disgusting. Yeah. Just nasty. It just gives you the creeps. Um, so I hate them and yeah, I had a massive one on my back, probably, I don't know, four inches long just nice. flying away. And it's, so they had the flying ones out there. Yeah. And I'm sure in the favelas you were teaching someone's house and were, were they just like cockroach infested? <gasps> um, no, actually you know, if, if you moved like, uh, maybe if you moved like a piece of furniture, you'd kind of see them scurry a little bit, but, um, not as bad as you'd think surprisingly, cause they don't have like really closed houses, you know, like we do in the United States. Like, it's not like you close the windows and lock the doors and everything's kind of sealed up. Um, most of the time the windows stay to stay open and most of the time you're going to have like a screen door with the door open cause no one has AC there. So, you know, Bugs are going to come in and out as freely as they want. And surprisingly, there's not as many as you'd think. Um, definitely still around crawling through your silverware and stuff, which is just disgusting. <laughs> but yeah, they're still everywhere um, doing their thing. Um, you know, did see a rat one time in in like a, an investigator's house. But again, it just scurried away and nothing nothing too dramatic there, I guess. I'd just kind of what wow, you'd expect being in South pretty America. Tame. Like I, yeah, I, <laughs> I, you, you might've had it worse in your mission. I think huh? I did actually. 
Um, so going back to, we've got this shy kid coming from Mesa, Arizona. He goes to Brazil. Hayden said that he like basically had the gift of tongues and he had a pretty strong experience learning the language. What was, what was learning Portuguese like for you? Yeah. Um, so like everybody says, Spanish and Portuguese are pretty similar. Mm -hmm. Um, which I, I would agree. Uh, I hadn't taken Spanish since 10th grade in high school. So it had been two or three years. And so when I got to the MTC, I actually went to the Provo MTC first for about two weeks while I waited for my visa and they shipped me off to Brazil. Um, so that was interesting. I definitely learned much more in Brazil. Um, yeah, baptism but, by fire because everyone's speaking. Yeah, I mean, everyone's speaking there and also the new Brazilian missionaries coming in and out because they only stay for two weeks, whatever it was back then. Um, so, and they only speak Portuguese. And so- And when you say back then, just to clarify, this is before the mission age changed. So back yes. then it used to be, was it eight weeks if you were, or six weeks? So for, for someone like me serving a mission to a foreign country, foreign language, it was, uh, I think nine weeks, eight or nine, nine weeks. weeks. And then if you weren't serving foreign, it was just three weeks. I think you served was your three weeks. I was stateside and I was 18 days. 18 days. But so it's probably similar in Brazil, 18 days, okay. somewhere around there for those Brazilian missionaries coming in that were serving in Brazil. So they're kind of just coming in and going out. Yeah. And, and then, so, and then just to jump to now, they, I think they reduced everything by like a third. So if you're serving foreign speaking, it's six weeks long. Right. And then if you're in my case, English speaking from you already speaking, right. Then it's like Native nine days. English, like yeah. it's, it's quick. It's like 11 days or something. It's kind of like crazy. That. Yeah. So definitely. How, how long did it take you to learn the language? Um, yeah, yeah. So back to your, your question. Um, I felt actually very natural learning it cause it seemed very similar to Spanish, but it was, I felt like I had forgot enough Spanish to make it so I could learn Portuguese very easily, kind of grasped it. Um, to the point where, uh, I felt really comfortable, um, in the beginning of the mission, you know, it's really tough learning a language because for me, at least for myself, I don't know what everybody else's experience, but I had a, you know, I went out of the MTC into the mission field and my first companion first frankly, all of my companions were Brazilian except for one, but my first several companions were Brazilian, obviously, and they didn't speak a lick of English. And I felt very alone, frankly, mm -hmm. because I couldn't express myself, couldn't express myself in English or Portuguese. I just, it's kind of lonely, but, um, that faded away after two, three months. I started to express myself, give myself some personality, um, feel a little more comfortable, you know, maybe some of the home homesickness wears off a little bit. And by about nine months, I felt like I could fully express myself speaking well, using, you know, using slang, I guess, to really feel like I fit in with the other missionaries. And, um, from then on out, it was, it was pretty, pretty smooth sailing with the language. Man, I didn't even think about how tough that would be to be somewhere you're, I don't know how far away you are from Arizona, but you're a long way from mm -hmm. home. You don't speak the same language as anyone they can't even understand you in your home language. Yep. It's so tough. Frustration. What like frustrating. What, yeah. What, what advice would you give to someone who's, who is experiencing that? Yeah. Um, so what, what I did was of course, you know, rely on the Lord. That's why you're on a mission. Um, but I, I, something I felt helped me a lot. 
asked a ton of questions. I think my companions probably got annoyed at me sometimes. I was like, what does this mean? What does that mean? What does this mean? What does that mean? You know, all the time pointing at things, questions, 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 um, maybe using a notebook to write down terms, things like that. And then also just reading side by side, the scriptures, um, you know, Book of Mormon and, uh, in English, in English and Portuguese. And, um, I set myself a goal to finish it. I think it was the finish the Book of Mormon in Portuguese in three months. And, and I did it and I don't know if I understood a ton of it, but it really improved my comprehension of Portuguese and, um, you know, it, it just starts slow. You, you can read things and you can understand when you read things really well. And then you can start hearing things. And then, um, my companions usually weren't from the area that I was serving in. So, so, they, accents and- so there's accents that get involved. Their accent was much easier to understand than where I was serving. Mm-hmm. Where I was serving is very hard to understand. It's kind of like serving in the South and in, in the United States. Uh-huh. That's how I'd compare Bahia. It's kind of like the South United States, a very heavy accent. And um, they don't really pronounce their R's very well. And so they were kind of the last ones, unfortunately, for me to understand. But once I started understanding them, um, smooth sailing. Uh, it's, it's really funny. I remember the first month that I was on the mission, I, uh, we're teaching a lesson. You know, I'm, we're going through probably the, the first vision or something. And I recite Joseph Smith's first vision experience. Um, and then the investigator looks at me smiling like, you're doing great. Good job. <laughs> and then they look at my companion and they're like, what did he say? I'm like, Oh, what? And then my companion says the exact same thing. And they're like, Oh, okay. And I was like, I just said that, come on. <laughs> but luckily that faded away pretty quick. Um, you know, it's, it's really about picking up the accent and, uh, and I was lucky to have some other missionaries that were very good, um, linguistically. And they gave me some pointers on how to speak the accent a little better. And it really, I would say, you know, escalated my, my success with the language. As, as you were learning Portuguese, what was like the funniest word that you said wrong or like a phrase that you just messed up on or like maybe got you in a, a funny situation? Man, that's, that's a tough one. Um, one of the words that they would always try to m- like mess up the English or the, the, you know, English speaking missionaries, um, American missionaries was paralelipipidu which that is, a, is quite the word. <laughs> <laughs> and they would be like, Oh, say this. And then they'd like laugh at you. Ha ha. You can't say it. And then, um, so they'd always do that to all the Americans and you know, after a while I get a hang of it. Um, oh, I remember, what that word so yeah, so that, that word just means like cobblestone, basically all the roads are made of cobblestone instead of like a cement or uh-huh. tar or something. They're all called, not all of them, but in the smaller cities, just cobblestone because it's easier to put down. And, uh, yeah. So just a hard word to say and obviously messed that up a bunch. Um, the difference between, um, coconut and poop is also very similar. So it's coco and coco. Coco is coconut. Coco is the emphasis poop. on that last Yeah. O. Coco is like poop. It's like a, like a childish way of saying poop. Like, I don't know. So I mess that up quite often too. So, <laughs> but there's nothing like coconut water. Like exactly. Yeah. I wanted it all the time cause I was in Brazil. So, Oh, that's funny. Um, what, and I guess transition more to like the people, what was like your favorite thing about the Brazilian people? You talked about like they're really nice and giving, was there anything else that kind of stood out to you that you just loved about Brazilians? Yeah. Um, everyone's really friendly. Yeah. Just 
everyone's talkers. So I didn't have to do the talking because that wasn't my strong oh. suit when I went into the mission. As a shy person. You yeah. Sure you- I just, I just like to listen. Um, I'd stay, I'd say I'm still a little bit that way. Um, but I, uh, yeah, everyone loves talking and that was really comforting because I, I didn't have to talk, <laughs> but, um, you know, always willing to share their food. You know, you come into their house that they always had this funny saying where it's like, Oh, you're leaving so soon. And they would say that even if they wanted you to leave, they'd be like, Oh, you're leaving too soon. You're leaving too soon. We're like out the door and we're like, okay, we're leaving, but you're leaving too soon. Don't go. And it's like, just their like formal, formal way of saying goodbye and like being kind, but really they're like, okay, don't go so soon. And like short pushing out the door. (laughs) So it's just like all these funny cultural things like, Oh, it's, it's too early. Don't leave, but get out the door. (laughs) But it's just random, like just pleasantries, I guess. But, uh, did you have any certain tactics that you use when you were in a home and they were just talkers and just going off and you're like, Hey, we, we got to get going. Um, man, it's been so long. I'm trying to think tactics. Um, usually just tried to tie in whatever they're talking about to whatever lesson we felt was appropriate for them. Um, more often than not, it was Joseph Smith and the book of Mormon. And, um, usually just try to transition pretty quickly into that. Um, and just get going with the lesson. Um, I can't think of any specific tactics, but just kind of yeah. using their experiences that and what they've learned specific, is just kind of flowing into the lesson. That's kind of a specific question. The, the reason why I bring it up is in the South, like you, you say the closing prayer and they're like, so anyways, this one time and they tell you about like this crazy story. <laughs> and I got to the point where I would just say, speaking of whatever their crazy story was, we got to go. And it would like always just go over their heads like, Okay, like we'll see ya. Like it wasn't even they had there, there was it was not smooth at all, but I found it so effective. It was like speaking of, we actually gotta get out of here. Of pizza deliveries, we gotta go somewhere else. Like, <laughs> but it worked. Oh man, that's funny. No, I, I don't know if I use any s- slick tactics. Just did my thing, I guess. Um, and I gotta ask it because we talked about Hayden. I guess we'll talk about Hayden right now. So if you missed the episode just before this one that we've uploaded, it's Hayden Smith. He served in Argentina. I just interviewed him. Buenos Aires North. Buenos Aires Norte Uh mission. And at one point on his mission, he was robbed at gunpoint and was beat by a gun. And Hayden mentioned in the interview, and I talked to Hunter a little bit after that, that he mentioned that he didn't tell anyone about that experience besides you before he came home. What was it like getting, was it an email or it must've been. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sitting in what they call the, the land house in Brazil, kind of just the house where you go with all the computers, little uh, shop, I guess. And I'm sitting there typing away and I see this email. He's like, dude, I I don't remember exactly what he said, but he's like, "I, I got, I got robbed. I got beat up and they had me at gunpoint. I was laying on the ground they wanted to steal my stuff. And I think Hayden was like withholding his cell phone. I don't know. I was like, why don't you just give him the cell phone? I don't know exactly what the conversation was, but I was like, dude, just give him everything. You crazy. This is what's going in my mind. And then, um, and then he's like, yeah. And then they hit me in the back of the head and I do the hospital and my, like, you know, you see like my temperature meter, it's like thermometer going through <laughs> the roof and it's starting to steam. And I'm like, oh, cause uh, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say I'm like super protective, but like, I don't know. I, if anything, anybody did anything to my brother, I was going to be like, especially before the mission, he was like, Oh, you don't touch my brother. You know what I mean? Um, even back when we were kids in elementary school, someone got in a fight with him and you know, I was there and backed him up. So, yeah. um, so yeah, both of you. yeah, exactly. So it's, so it's like, 
it was, it was tough to hear, but, um, and I was at just loss of words and yeah, sent him an email back and of course he didn't tell my mom. So tell our mom, I guess. And that was a good thing. <laughs> she was shocked to hear that when we got home and see no. when she saw the bloody shirt, cause Hayden wanted to keep it as a souvenir. He said that he still has it. I'm like, dude, you gotta frame that. And like <laughs> crazy, that's huh? Crazy. Yeah. And you know, I, I kind of got away pretty easy in Brazil. I got, I got robbed once. Um, yeah, I was going to ask what was like the scariest or a similar. Yeah. So two experiences I can think of that are kind of like scary. One time I got robbed. This is later on in the mission. It really wasn't that scary though. There's three of us missionaries, a bigger Brazilian dude and a really short Brazilian guy. The bigger Brazilian dude was kind of scary looking, a uh, bigger guy. And he had like a crowbar essentially. And the smaller dude was just like, give me your stuff. And before I could even think he was in my pockets, taking my stuff. I was like, all right, my phone's a piece of garbage. <laughs> the buttons are broken on it. Please take it. I want a new one. Yeah. And then, you know, he took my 10 Hey Eyes, which is like three bucks and they went on their way. And so it wasn't really that dramatic. You know, Hayden's story is much better than mine. Were, I mean, were you shocked though? It sounds very, like, very shocked. Just like, and like, this is happening. Oh, this happened. I can't believe this, <laughs> but you could tell these guys robbed the missionaries all day long. Like that was like their hobby. Um, just because they knew we're easy targets, we're not going to fight back. But nonetheless, I don't think it, you know, I didn't worry about it and we didn't worry about them after that either. Um, they just wanted easy money and they got it yeah. and they got a crappy cell phone and we got a really nice one afterwards. There you go. <laughs> a little nice Nokia. Um, and then the other experience that I had on the mission was there was actually a uh, police strike beginning of my mission. You can imagine what that would be like. Um, that sounds like all the just chaos. Chaos. Yeah, exactly. So I've never seen this movie, but there's a movie where the, I think it's called the purge where they just like no rules for yeah. 24 hours. It's essentially that because <laughs> there's Ooh. no police to monitor anything. So I, we get a call, me and my companion are out about 20 minutes away from the house. Um, the zone leaders, I believe call and they say, Hey, you guys need to get home right now. There's a police strike and things are getting really crazy here in Salvador. And you're in this, we were in Gia's Davila at the time, at the time, which is just down to Salvador. Things are getting really crazy. And we're worried that this craziness is going to kind of flood into where you guys are at too. So we're like, okay, as we're walking home, you can hear like, like parents saying to their little kids, come on, get inside. Let's go get inside. Everybody's closing their doors. The shops are rolling down their, their garage doors, you know, to close <laughs> yeah. just ghost town. You could probably see like tumbleweeds, like that type of thing <laughs> rolling by and you're just like, Oh my gosh. It's just like, is... you could feel the, like the heightened intenseness in the yeah. air. And, uh, so eventually we make it home safe. Great. And then we were basically stuck in the house for about a week. Couldn't leave the oh my house. Gosh. Yeah. We were, we were stuck in the house. We didn't have permission to leave the house or go anywhere for a week. Um, luckily the members were nice enough to bring food to us and there was a little like store right below us. So we'd go buy food down there. And then, um, eventually the police strike was over. Um, and I think they brought even like government military in to help out kind of like the national guard. And, um, when we went out to, I guess the small center of the city, like all the stores were ransacked, everything was stolen, glasses broken. Um, I think there had been a lot of violence that happened. It was Pretty, pretty crazy everything that happened, but, um, could you hear stuff like outside or like, did you have a window that you could see? We, 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 I, I mean, I, I don't remember specifically any noises or anything. Um, just the fact that it was just kind of madness, kind of like a hysteria, you know, it's kind of crazy. That is crazy. Wow. Yeah. So that was a fun experience. And I was only out, I'd only been out on the mission for like 
a month and a half. <laughs> so I was like, is, is this normal? <laughs> yeah. What's going on? But, uh, yeah, luckily it didn't happen again. Wow. Um, that sounds pretty scary. What? And I guess going through like trials, what did you ever, it sounded like, did you ever like experience homesickness or anxiety or depression? Um, not really anxiety or depression that I know of. Um, in the beginning I did, you know, in the beginning of the mission, I felt a little homesick and, and depressed, um, because I really couldn't communicate with anybody foreign country, but, um, you know, just being diligent, keeping the mission rules, um, doing my scriptures, you know, really diving into the book of Mormon, learning the language, dedicating myself, um, just focusing on what I knew would help me really help me to move on from, from those feelings. And of course you miss the family every once in a while. You get those, those mornings you wake up, you're like, man, I'm in the mission. This is hard. I don't want to be here right now. There's just some mornings you wake up and you're like, this is tough. But then you just go and study and you move on and you have a good day. Um, so definitely had those mornings as well, but nothing, nothing, I guess would, that I would classify as anxiety or, or depression, but, but I'd imagine, um, you know, all the mission presidents out there, specifically mine was very loving and comforting. And I'm sure many others have that same experience that any type of, um, trouble they're going through that they'll be able to get help from those, uh, from those presidents. Did you, you mentioned your mission president. What, what it sounded, obviously you sound like he's a very loving man. What was like a lesson that you learned from him that you, you still remember or hold on to, or that seemed like kind of his theme as a mission president? It seems like, I don't know if he had multiple mission presidents, but mm -hmm. it seems like they all kind of have their own you know, style. And yeah. Lesson they so, um, my president's name is president. Art. Um, is he American? he's American. Yep. And he was my president for the whole time. I got there right before I, he got there right before I did. So he's my president oh, nice. for the whole time. Yeah. And, um, so you and, were both kind of thrown into this. Yeah, did he already he, know Portuguese? He, do you know? So he or? knew all, he knew Portuguese. He served in Brazil like 45 years before that. Okay. And he kept his Portuguese up and very, you know, spoke Portuguese very well. His wife didn't know any Portuguese and left knowing very little Portuguese. She didn't speak much Portuguese. Um, but yeah, when he, I guess his name is president Hart, and that's what people kind of refer to him. He had a big heart, very kind, very kind person. Um, there were even experiences when I had like, I think I had like an operation or something. I had to go to the hospital for something, um, sickness and, and they took me into their house for the night and I was able to stay with them. And, and I was just like, Oh, this feels so good. There's such nice people. Home. Yeah. I just, just yeah. felt good, you know? And so very kind, loving, loving person, him and his wife, you know, his wife felt like my mother. It was, it was amazing. Um, she really felt, you know, I kind of filled that void and I had my mom around. I was on the mission. Um, and then, uh, I kind of forgot the question. I think it's because I dragged here. No, but. Yeah. Just like, was there like a, a theme, like a lesson that he oh, had? Oh, right. Was yeah. Just like, oh, that's present heart. Yeah. And so his, his thing was, he would say, Seja crusty, which is means like, like be, be diligent. Crusty is like, get your shoes dirty and get your, you know, like get out, get, there, get out there and work and just do a lot of work. So that was kind of his motto and, you know, just have faith and go out there and work and get things done. And that definitely has been, a little bit, you know, kind of a motto in my life too. And it's proven to be very helpful to, to 
get things done and yeah. have success and be happy. It sounds simple, but that's very simple. Yeah. No, there's no magic formula. I don't think there you just get out and do your best and the Lord does the rest. In, in addition to president and sister heart, who, who was someone you met on your mission became close to, um, maybe it was a member or an investigator or someone that, you know, you, you really bonded with as a missionary. Yeah. Um, so definitely had two companions. My trainer, um, I was actually messaging him the other day on Instagram. Um, we talked about a couple of funny stories and still keep in touch with him. And then when I was finishing up my mission, I was, um, with a missionary for six months. We were together for six months surprisingly we it's a, didn't we it's fought, a long time yeah. as a missionary it usually it's a long, it's a really long time, time. <laughs> long time together there's some highs and lows <clears throat> in there i'm sure <laughs> definitely mostly highs though you know every once in a while we get i get annoyed of him and he was kind of i don't know i guess you could call it arrogant but just like very confident and um i guess that's not me initially at least that's not the way i feel so he's very confident and self-assured and uh I learned a lot from him. His faith was incredible. Just more faith than I'd ever seen. Um, working with him for six months, we saw the most miracles, just things, baptisms coming out of nowhere that we would, we did. It was just amazing. Absolutely incredible. Um, and he left a huge impression on me on like, don't give up when, when we want to give up and where we think, you know, this is it. I can't do it anymore. Just a little more and the miracles right around the corner. And that proved to be the truth. You know, sometimes it just wasn't there for us. God didn't want to give us whatever we were hoping for, but nine times out of 10, he, he was there with the miracle and, and it was amazing. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. That, that reminds me of the scripture of Ether 12, six, you, you, you receive no witness until after the trial of your faith. And so exactly. you have to get to that point where you're like, I don't know if this is going the right way, but I'm still doing it. But yep. is, are there any like specific miracles that you're thinking of with him that you could share or um, kind of putting you on the spot right there? Yeah. Uh, no, you're okay. Um, there, there was a lot. There was, there's many miracles. Um, one that I can speak of, particularly was we were teaching this, uh, I guess we'll call him a young man. Um, he's about 16, 17 and him and all of his buddies would come play soccer at the church, like every two nights a week or something. They just all play all the guys before us, the missionaries before us were like, Oh, they're not interested. They don't want anything. And so we're like, all right, well, we'll give it a try. Um, specifically my companion. And, and so we went over there, started talking to him and this, this one's kind of like the ringleader. His name's Chiago. It's kind of like the leader of everybody. Everybody follows what he does. And so we started talking with him and slowly, you know, he started listening and then, um, he had some concerns about his morality and changing things in his life. And really funny one time he was like, Oh, I drink coffee all the time. He's like, I even drink it before I go to bed. But then for some reason I can't go to sleep. We're like, well, stop drinking coffee. You'll be able to sleep better. And he's like two, two days later, he's like, I'm sleeping great. I don't drink coffee anymore. We're like no duh. But it was just it's my really time <laughs> and Brazil drinks coffee, like none other every, you know, all the time. But anyways, he, he, he overcame his obstacles, became a super strong, um, faithful member and slowly his friends started trickling into. So just a huge miracle, um, more than I think 15 to 20 young men coming in wow. from this, this soccer group. Right. 
uh, over this six month period that I was with this elder. And it was, it was absolutely incredible just to see them come in. Um, unfortunately a lot of, you know, not a lot of them, but I'd say, um, maybe half are there, half aren't, but they definitely had the chance to partake of, you know, the happiness that the gospel brings. And is because of the faith of my companion and, and also I'd say, you know, our, our diligence in taking a risk, you know, everybody had tried this before they tried to teach them. They weren't willing to listen. And we went in there and gave it a shot and the Lord did the rest. And it, it was amazing. Yeah. yeah. So it's, you know, we actually visited Brazil and I went and said hi to him and his wife and he oh, baptized. Tiago's married now. He got married. How um, old was he when you were teaching him? So he was like 16, 17, somewhere in there on there. Um, uh, then he got married. He decided not to go on a mission. Um, and they, they got married, but he did baptize his wife and they're, they're strong in the church doing good things. Awesome. And one of those, one of those young men that was part of that group, he served a mission, just got back, um, like a month ago. So wow. crazy. Um, great to see his change too. So it's crazy. The, amazing stuff. The effect that your mission has not just on you, but yeah. Now you, 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 the marriage that you've helped, you know, and that butterfly effect, it kind of just ripples, huh? Yeah. Um, that's pretty sweet. <laughs> it was, it was amazing. Um, how did your testimony grow on your mission? Yeah. Um, as I mentioned before, I always had a, a testimony um, not always, but since about 11, 12, your, your seven day test. Yeah. My seven day <laughs> test, I had that testimony. Um, you know, it, it got stronger and weaker as I went through high school and, but definitely when I went on my mission, I remember there was a time in the MTC that, uh, you know, it was just MTC was rough. It was hard for me and, you know, learning a language I was just stressed out. And, um, I, I felt like, you know, I mean, we hear of stories about seeing angels and I felt like I needed to see an angel. I needed something big to keep, you know, to have my testimony, like it's something big, like (laughs) Lord, give me something big. And I remember reading a scripture and a very simple scripture and it, and basically it said, you need to get it telling me to, you need to get a uh, priesthood blessing. So I got a blessing for comfort and felt really comfortable. And after that, you know, it just the feeling was like, you have a testimony to keep going. And, and from there, my testimony only continued to grow, um, just kept growing. And, um, I was able to see miracles. There was, there was one time when I was training, um, my, my mission companion that I was training, trainee son, I don't know how you call it, but I was training him. He, at the time I was 20, he was 24, 25, so he thought he knew a lot, That's a humbling you know? Yeah. yeah. So, so he thought he knew a lot and he wanted to tell me what, what to do. Was he, was he Brazilian? He's Brazilian too. Okay. So, so, so I was about nine months in training him. He speaks the language better. He's 24. <laughs> um, uh, it was tough. And, 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 you know, first couple of weeks we weren't really jiving and then, Finally, we, we had some success. The ball started to roll and then he started to trust me a little more. He's like, okay, um, you know what, what you need to do. And so we did it and, and, um, it started going well. And, and actually I, this just came to my mind. Um, I don't know why, but I'm, I feel like I should, you know, talk about it. Um, when I first got in the mission field, uh, I would, my last name's Smith and, uh, they said, we have too many elder Smiths. So you can choose to be elder L Smith or you can be elder Lund. And I was like, which is my middle name? 
I was like, all right, I'll just be Elder Al Smith. That's fine. They send me out to the mission field and then, um, and then I, I get my little name tag and it says Elder Lund. And I was like, gosh, these guys don't know what they're doing. I told them <laughs> Elder Al Smith. And I was like, you know what? Forget it. You know, that, that last name comes from, it's my, it's my mom's maiden name. So my grandpa, um, my grandpa's last name, I guess. And I was like, you know what? It's cool. I'll just be Elder Lund. It'll be a little different. And so I just rolled with it for my mission. And so everyone was, you know, I guess I was trying to say that my companion was saying that, oh, Elder Lund is doing this. And I think he respected me a little bit. But when I got home from the mission, the amazing thing was that after I got home, my grandpa gave me a call. So my grandpa Lund gave me a call and he said, hey, Hunter, I wanted to let you know that you using the name Elder Lund on the mission actually fulfilled my patriarchal blessing. My grandpa had only had daughters and in his blessing, it said that his name would be used to preach the gospel throughout the world. And so he didn't know how it was going to happen. Here he is 80 years old. Doesn't know how his patriarchal blessing is going to come, come, you know, be fulfilled. And here, you know, simple act of what I thought was just switching, what, what, switching what? a name tag yeah. and the effect that it had on my grandpa and, and me afterwards. And I was absolutely privileged and just shows you how, one thing that I learned on, you know, part of my testimony is that nothing happens by chance. Everything has a purpose. Everything has a reason. And maybe we don't know the reason all the time and we don't have to know the reason, but there's a lot of purpose that goes around in our lives that maybe goes taken for granted. Unnoticed. Unnoticed. Yeah. That's awesome. So, um, but yeah, my, my testimony grew a, a ton of seeing miracles and, and the priesthood and the power of baptism and, and the ability for the gospel to change lives. Uh, absolutely amazing. If you were, if you, so you just had a son, mm -hmm. Ace. Ace, yeah. What, do you call him Ace or do you call him by his full name? No, we call him Ace, yeah. Ace. If Ace was to get his mission call to your mission, what would you tell him? Like, what are the things that he needs to know? Or like, what would you do to prepare him? So something that someone told me, which is really funny, um, at least I thought it was funny. Um, this guy had been a, a mission president of Brazil. He served as mission in Brazil. He'd also been an, an MTC president of Brazil. And he said, there t he said, Hunter, there are two types of missionaries, missionaries that serve in Brazil and missionaries that wish they serve in Brazil. <laughs> 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 and Hey, I mean, I served in Brazil and I loved it. And so that sounds true. Cause when, when I'm in Mississippi, I'm like, man, I know those Brazilian missionaries are baptizing like crazy. Um, <laughs> and, and yeah, I, I love my mission. And so I'd be number one, just thrilled out of my mind for him to go serve a mission, you know, happy that he's going to serve. But then on top of that, I see on the cake for him to go to Brazil and even my mission, I would, you know, I just tell him to, um, one of, one of my biggest personal changes outside of my testimony was that uh, I could learn to relax a little more. I didn't have to be so serious all the time. Um, I can totally see that, you know, I didn't the have tenseness to, before. Yeah, yeah. I was very stressed out all the time and I still get stressed, but I didn't have to be serious all the time. And that was part of the culture. You know, everyone's joking in Brazil, having a good time. Missionaries pr playing pranks on each other. We'd, we'd have water balloon fights in the house, have, you know, <laughs> for like three weeks straight. It was like you've got, random yeah, you stuff. you got to find a way to. And, and so like inside the house was nuts. But um, so yeah, I'd, I, you know, I just tell them just enjoy it. You know, do the best work you can, rely on the Lord. And, and when you think that 
there is no way keep searching because the Lord will provide it. And, um, yeah. And I, and he'll provide and yeah. And eat all the Brazilian, good Brazilian food you can. You know, <laughs> speaking like when I think of people that go to Brazil, South America, I think they lose weight. Did you lose weight or? Um, I, I don't think I lo- lost weight. Um, I think I gained maybe a pound or two before I left. I, I was exercising a lot. I had more free time. Um, I was working like 30 hours a week. So I had time to go to the gym a lot. And that was pretty much what I was doing is working to go to the gym. So I was very fit. And then when I got there, um, some of that muscle kind of just transformed into fat. <laughs> so I gained a couple of pounds, but nothing crazy. We walked like crazy. Some, some missionaries in my mission, you know, lost 60 pounds from all the walking and stuff, which was crazy. But, um, overall, yeah, I, did, I mean, I gained a little bit of weight and it was mostly just like baby fat. <laughs> I guess we'll call it that. Um, just worked out again when I got home and, but, uh, yeah, great food. And so, so wrapping up with your son and what you would tell him and all that for thinking of Hunter before his mission, like how, how was your mission different than what you expected? I guess that'll be my first question. How's the mission different than what I expected? Yeah. From when you open your mission call and you're like, all right, I'm going to Brazil. Yeah. Um, you know, I think specifically Brazil, um, you think of like the Amazon, you know what I mean? Amazon rainforest wasn't like that at all. Uh, definitely kind of that climate, but you know, people just like us, they have their struggles, you know, people that are rich, poor people that are good health and bad. And everyone's, you know, looking for the same thing. It's just surprising how, how similar we, I was to them and we are, I guess, worldwide, I could say, um, as a, as a human race, how similar we are and as children of God. And, um, that just became more apparent. I thought it was going to be something very foreign and, and it was for a little bit, but it, after a while it just became it's a language very, barrier. It's yeah. just like, we're all going through the same we're thing. We're all going through the same stuff. Interesting. Maybe just different circumstances. <laughs> my last question, was your mission worth it? Was my mission worth it? Um, What's my ROI on 10,000? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, absolutely. Uh, absolutely worth it. Best decision. It, it changed, absolutely changed my life. Um, not only from like the confidence that I, that I gained from being a missionary, learning a language, teaching people every day, being more comfortable with myself around strangers, being able to talk to people that I wasn't, I didn't know, or I didn't have a relationship with, uh, you know, a pre pre-started relationship. Um, that social aspect was tremendous, but then also the, the trust in the Lord that I gained and, you know, just the ability to trust the Lord when things are hard, you know, um, when we got home from our mission, Hayden and I, uh, reference for first, my mom actually passed away three months after we got home. And I know that if I had been doing something else for two years, instead of being a missionary, that experience would have been even harder than it was. Yeah. And to lose, to lose someone that's as impactful as a mother, it's a hard experience. I don't care if you're in the church, righteous or not, it's still hard. But the, the strong testimony that I had gained and had been strengthened um, really kept me afloat in, in what would be a hard time. And it, and it still continues to do so today. Awesome. Well, Hunter, thanks for coming on the show. Is there any, any other thing that you want to 
speak on or a story or experience that's coming to your mind, I'd, I just want to make sure that you know, if you got something to say, this, this is the point. <laughs> this is it, right? Um, yeah, I honestly, I, I, it's amazing to come back and thanks Jordan for inviting me on the, onto the show. And, um, it's, it's amazing to be able to talk about my mission again. I've been thinking about it over the last, you know, couple of days, week, uh, how my mission affected me. And, and what I would say it to anybody is if you're, if you're on the, on the border of serving a mission, just, just give it a chance. You know, if you have a testimony, you know, make sure you have a testimony, but if you have a testimony, the Lord's going to make it work out. If there's anything like me, if you were nervous of talking to people or shy, that's something the Lord can fix pretty easily. It takes courage, it takes some, you know, some work on your end, but, but it, it goes away pretty quick. And then you have an amazing experience to remember for the rest of your life. And, um, that's the, I guess, advice I would give. And, and, um, you know, hopefully you get to go to Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that will, will wrap it up. Thanks again for tuning in. And, uh, we hope to, we hope you come back <laughs> next week or whenever we drop another episode. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Jordan. Now it's red. Hold it down or just push it.